This is a great little hymn to remind us of Very little hymn to remind us of what tomorrow is supposed to be all about. story of this good song a few days ago and I thought we need to sing that song next Sunday in the Chinese service so it's already on my schedule for this Lord's Day in Chinese service and we get to sing it tonight 256 verses 1, 3, and 4 who knows the story of this song who's heard the story of this song Horatio Spafford was a well-to-do businessman in Chicago uh, in the great Chicago fire he lost most of his real estate and he sent his, his wife and daughters on a ship across the Atlantic to England to join Neil Moody in his evangelistic meetings. And that ship um, crashed into another ship. And his wife uh, sent a telegram to him in Chicago. And the, the message was, save them all, because all of their daughters drowned in the Atlantic Ocean. And so he, he was scheduled to follow a few days later. <clears throat> and he asked a staff on the ship to let him know when they got near the spot that the first ship went down. And as he stood there at the rail, he, he fell into deep despair for just a moment. And then he penned the words, It is well with my soul. The words of this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And why is that? Because of verse 3. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Let's sing this song thinking about what it means in praising God with the fact that no matter what happens, in Christ, we can rejoice, and it is well, it can be well with our souls.
452. And let's sing verses 1, 4, and 5. Verses 1, 4, and 5. Let's stand together if you can. Sing about our Savior's chapter 8 tonight and then from Psalm chapter 8 we're going to learn we're learn a couple of things about Thanksgiving. Now <laughs> the passage of time erases history in our minds. We forget things because we get busy. We, get, we, we forget things generally because when time moves on we just forget about things that are important in history. And so in Psalm chapter 8 look at verse number 3. This will lead us into some thoughts about thanksgiving. Psalm chapter 8, verse number 3. Well, let me read verse number 1. O Lord our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now I'm going to take those two words from verse 3, consider, and then verse 4, mindful. Consider and mindful. Uh, I did cover some of Psalm at chapter 8 last Sunday morning at 9.30, but 
there are there are monuments, statues, and memorials, and they are erected for us to remember what happened in our history, or in another country's history, and about great men, great events that made a difference in people's lives. And holidays, holidays. Uh, I believe Australians, when they come to Hawaii, they say, we're in holiday. Is that what they say? We're in holiday. Yeah. We say vacation, they say holiday. It turns out to be a good time, we hope, for people who go to another place just to get away from the routine so that they can be recharged, refreshed, and so on. But we have great holidays in our nation, and I'm afraid that because of the past of time, we have forgot what they are, are there for. We have lost the intent or the or origination of why we have certain holidays. Well, when it comes to holidays like Thanksgiving, we as Christians never forget really uh, about why we have Thanksgiving. Well, a founder wrote this letter in 1773 uh, about the pilgrims and their first Thanksgiving quote. Let us in the midst of these reflections have our hearts enlarged in thanksgiving to God for his merciful favor to our fathers and to us by their instrumentality. Let us piously acknowledge the hand of God in all that has been done for them and us and to the whole cry grace, grace. With what strange gloom are our hearts filled when we make the supposition that all our fathers had been left to perish in their attempt, propitionable, propitionable to the dreadfulness of such supposition, let our gratitude be to our fathers God and ours. And out of gratitude to God, let us improve the blessings of life we, uh, with sobriety and maintain our liberties with an honorable Christian firmness. This was said way after um, the pilgrims crossed over the Atlantic to come to America. And uh, the founder here says, let's not forget what they went through. Let's not forget what they said. Also, Daniel Webster, you know him. Daniel Webster, 1851, said this, quote, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought hither by their high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light, labored in its hope. Let us cherish in these, uh, cherish these sentiments and extend this influence still more widely in full conviction that that is the happiest society which partakes in the highest degree of the mild, peaceful spirit of Christians. And so he's saying, let's not forget why they came to America. Let's not forget what they went through. Now we are mindful, we're mindful, verse four, we're mindful and we consider what the pilgrims went through. And that'll lead me to another thought. But first of all, let's take a moment to remember what the pilgrims went through. First of all, we're mindful that the Thanksgiving holiday is about God blessing the pilgrims and God providing for them. Uh, in their own words, the pilgrims in their own words by a man named Stephen Mansfield. You ought to read him, listen to his podcast. Very interesting gentleman, uh, former pastor, now very influential as far as bringing up things uh, to our attention and letting people realize that our culture is in trouble. He says this, um, our culture is in trouble and one of the things that will help us get out of trouble is to remember to be thankful remember to be thankful and so he said this uh, our nation is in crisis our times are troubled our national memory has grown dim we need to remember who we are Thanksgiving is a perfect time for this quote uh, ponder the words of our pilgrim fathers about their first Thanksgiving and so now I will read to you a few quotes First-hand accounts of what the pilgrims said about that first Thanksgiving and things that led up to it. 
And so very interesting thing, I got this from Stephen Mansur a couple of years ago, and I thought I'd bring it up again tonight. In 1608, the pilgrims left England for Holland to escape persecution by the Anglican Church. And uh, Pastor John Robinson, while preaching to his exiled congregation in Holland, uh, preached of his vision for the New World. Quote, again, the words of these men firsthand. Now, as the people of God in old time were called out of Babylon civil, the place of their bodily bondage, so are the people of God now to go out of Babylon spiritually to Jerusalem to build themselves as lively stones into a spiritual house or temple for the Lord to dwell in. Now, after 12 years, 12 years in Holland, the pilgrims are finding trouble with the kids in school. The kids are getting corrupted by the, 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 the children in the public schools. Where have I heard that before? I talked to someone not long ago, probably about three weeks ago, and uh, this, this mother said, I will never send my kids to public schools. And I said, I agree with you. I said, it's bad when my kids were small. It's three times as bad now in this generation. And so she's going to homeschool her kids. Well, after 12 years of living in Holland, the pilgrims began to nurture a desire to take the gospel to remote parts of the world. Quote, Bradford wrote this, a great hope, a great hope and inward zeal they had of laying some good foundation or at least to make some way thereunto for the propagating and advancing of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world. Yea, and as the enterprise is weighty in difficulty, uh, so the honor is more worthy to plant in rude wilderness, chiefly to display the efficacy in power of the gospel, in zealous preaching, professing, in wise walking under it. I like that, wise walking, having a good testimony consistent testimony in wise walking under it before the faces of those poor blind infidels end quote now that is that is bad language here in today's culture poor blind infidels are you they counted the cost uh, this man wrote quote all great and honorable actions are accompanied by great difficulties and must be enterprised and overcome with Answerable courages. In other words, face the challenges, face the obstacles that we expect to, to face. Answerable courages. It was granted that the dangers were great, but not desperate, and the difficulties were many, but not invincible. And in all of them, through the help of God, fortitude and patience might either be born or overcome. But their condition was not ordinary. And so the pilgrims realized what a great job it would be a great challenge a great hardship it would be when they get there but their noble cause of giving the gospel to the blind infidels the poor blind infidels they said it was worth the effort this is a noble cause and it is now after making arrangements for the boys their pastor john robinson called a day of solemn humiliation a good thing to do on such a spiritual and dangerous endeavor he later wrote, quote, the rest of the time was spent powering out prayers. That's an interesting phrase. Powering out prayers to the Lord with great fervencies mixed with abundance of tears. They prepared to leave in 1620. Quote, they knew they were pilgrims and looked not much on those things, the difficulties. But lifted up their eyes to the heavens their dearest country and quieted their spirits. Well, you remember how long it took for the Mayflower to cross the Atlantic Ocean? 
Anybody remember? For a piece of pumpkin pie. 62 days. <laughs> All right, if you can tell me the number, the correct number, not about, but the exact number, you get a piece of pumpkin pie. Who says 63? Do I hear another number? Joseph's hand came up next. What he said. <laughs> what he said. Samuel. <laughs> All in the family. Yes, sir. 67. 67. Between 67 and 63, the answer is between those two. Too late. Oh. You were the closest. Oh, you pissed pumpkin oh. pie. No, that wasn't the deal. No, that's okay. <laughs> right. 66 days translated into 1,584 hours. You have a hard time, don't you, flying from West Coast to Hawaii five and a half hours? Oh, it's such a long flight. And then from the East Coast, oh, that's wait, 10 hours, 10 hours, 12. 1,584 hours. That is a long, long time to go through the kind of conditions they had to sail through. Now, the ship was the size of, of, of something else. Now, remember this. The size of a... In sports, indoor sport, there's a court that you play on with the ball in two teams. The abbreviation here, the Mayflower is the size of a blank court. When I say go, go. Again, ready, go. Okay, um, all right, jump in the ball quick. All right, Samuel? No. Samuel? You got half of it right, but no, it doesn't count. Volleyball court. You ever see a volleyball court? That is about the size of the mayfly which they all live together. Volleyball court. Imagine that. 1,584 hours on a ship the size of a volleyball court across the North Atlantic. According to the U.S. Navy, at this time of the year, if you fell overboard, the water was so cold, you had That's how cold the water was. And the U.S. Navy says, if you fell overboard, you have this much time before you're going to be dead. You must get out after or before this number of minutes. Take a guess, someone. That cold, yes, sir. Six. Very good guess. Timothy, are you just scratching your neck? Good guess. Samuel. <laughs> All right, you know what? This is. 13. There's only one black, honey. Oh, eight. <laughs> That's how cold the water was, according to this Navy. And uh, thankfully, nobody fell overboard. But the ship was tossed about as if it was in a washing machine. Sometimes the report says that the ship was tossed in the air, was tossed in the air, and it crashed to the waters. The boat sometimes went like that, sidewards. It tossed about like that. It was very, how can I say it kindly, sickening. Storms sometimes laid the ship on its side, sometimes threw it high into the air. 
only to slam upon the waters again. For weeks at a time, the pilgrims were forced to remain in the, quote, tween decks, between the decks. One sailor repeatedly called them this, quote, psalm singing puke stockings. Psalm singing puke stockings. I don't want to visualize that. That is too real. And uh, they suffered being tossed on the ocean for two months. Men, women, children, pregnant women, elderly. They were blown off course, remember, heading to Virginia, blown up north because of a storm. And before they landed, they drafted the Mayflower Compact, Compact, as you remember, the first official governing document of the New World. And so uh, when they arrived on land, finally, on the little boats, Bradford, Governor Bradford wrote this quote. Remember, these are quotes in their own words. Being thus past the vast ocean and a sea of troubles, literally a sea of troubles, before in their preparation, they had now no friends to welcome them, nor inns to entertain or refresh their weather-beaten bodies. Whoa, weather-beaten bodies. No houses, towns to repair to. And for the season it was winter, they that knew the winters of the country know them to be sharp and violent, subject to cruel, fierce storms, dangerous to travel to known places, much more to search an unknown coast. Besides, what could they see but a hideous and desolate wilderness, full of wild beasts and wild men? That's two times this is something derogatory about the Native American. Now they're called wild men. Let's change the name of the Washington Redskins to the Commodores. What could now sustain them but the Spirit of God and His grace? Well, it was difficult, wasn't it, physically? And you would think every pilgrim would be unified, but they were not. Unity was shown. Bradford wrote this, quote, In these hard and difficult beginnings, they found discontents and murmurings arise among some. Would we be surprised by the, the murmurings that arose among some? Was not the people of God under Moses' leadership murmurers? Were they not facing some difficulties? They faced difficulties. We're not surprised that human nature always looks at the visible, didn't look at the invisible. And those that looked at the visible only were the ones prone to murmur. Well, listen to these words, quote, under what Governor Bradford wrote, mutinous, mutinous speeches, mutinous speeches. You thought they were all unified, mutinous speeches, but they were soon quelled and overcome by the wisdom, patience, and just and equal carriage of things by the governor and better part, meaning the majority of the people, the better part, which clave faithfully together in the main. Well, whenever there's that kind of sentiment, whenever there's that kind of murmuring, what will stop it will be, of course, strong leadership and the rest of the folk who believe in the vision, believe in the purposes of why they were coming over. They were steadfast people. But there are other challenges. It's called death. You remember that not many survived that first winter. Quote, but that was more sad and lamentable but that which was more sad and lamentable was in two or three months time, half of their company died, especially in January and February in the death of winter and wanting houses and other comforts 
being infected by the scurvy and other diseases in which this long voyage and their in their incommodate condition had brought upon them so as there died two or three a day that of 100 persons scarcely 50 remained in the time of distress however the real the solid the sincere the faithful stood out quote in the time of most distress there were but six or seven sound persons healthy enough to help those who are not able to help themselves to the great commendations be it spoken spared no pains night or day but with abundance of toil and hazard of their own health fetched them wood made fires dressed them meat made their beds washed their loathsome clothes what what good words these people wrote with wash their loathsome clothes i've yet to see loathsome clothes except if it's um little kids who have not changed their socks for about two weeks loathsome clothes though clothed and unclothed them in a world in a word did all the necessary offices for them which dainty and queasy stomachs queasy stomachs that's me Queasy stomachs cannot endure to hear named, and all this willingly and cheerfully, without any grudging in the least, showing herein their true love unto their friends and brethren. God's grace was sufficient. Continuing, English-speaking Indians named, named, English-speaking Christians, uh, Indians, English-speaking Indians. Somerset and Squanto. Somerset and Squanto helped the pilgrims learn how to farm the land and harvest the bay. Squanto lived with the pilgrims until 1622 when he died. His last request to the governor, Governor Bradford, was, quote, pray that he might, that I might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. And Bradford wrote, Squanto continued with them and was their interpreter, was a special instrument sent by God. For their good beyond their expectation he directed them how to set the corn where to take fish and to procure other commodities and with also their pilot was also their pilot to bring them to unknown places for their profit and never left them until he died what a faithful man he was god sent him god used him to help the pilgrims survive well the next the next fall their next harvest proved that with Mosquanto, abundance of food for the first time and then, of course, Governor Bradford called for a day of, quote, Thanksgiving. And that's the origins of how we have Thanksgiving as a celebration in America. Quote, our harvest being gotten, our governor sent four men on following that we so might, after a special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. A good harvest. The four went went in one day killed as much fowl as uh, with a little help beside served the company almost a week they were very very successful hunters at which time among uh, the recreations we exercised our arms many of the indians coming amongst us and among the rest their greatest king massasoit with some how many indians you don't know this one Y'all come. How many Indians came? 
No. How many? Honey, your head didn't come up. Sorry. Joseph. 70. Do I hear 80? Do I hear 85? Do I hear 90? 90 Indians, now called Native Americans, 90 Indians uh, uh, showed up and also joined in the festivities and celebration with the pilgrims. And how many days did they celebrate? Oh, you have to know this one. They celebrated these many days. They ate, played, had races, had skill contests for these many days. It was a great time to rejoice after a cold, hard winter. Matthew. Good guess. But it was not four days. It was a three-day three celebration. Now, um, they celebrate for three days and quote, although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want. Notice that wording. By the goodness of God, we are so far from want. We don't lack anything. We are Blessed so abundantly, we don't have any wants. We are partakers of, quote, plenty. Now, this is Thanksgiving, the first Thanksgiving. This was a celebration. This was a feast day, feast days. This was a fun day. This was, they weren't watching football games while they were eating turkey. But they were running outside, having fun, playing, and um, uh, partakers of plenty. And that's why you have images of uh, a table spread of food and all these kind of good things. Um, just it's, it just it's fun to eat isn't it Amen. thanksgiving is fun because of what it represents the blessings of god the bounty so far from want now we in america we have trouble but we are so far from want we can go to costco and spend eight hundred dollars nine hundred dollars thousand dollars two hundred dollars we can go to grocery stores around the corner we can go to 7-elevens and abc stores we have we're so far from want we just go to the store if we run out of milk we don't have to milk a cow. Thank God for that. We don't have to milk goats. Who would want to milk a goat, drink a goat's milk? You ever see a goat's eyes? <laughs> they just look satanic, you know, goat's eyes. We have, at the step of the finger, they can have food delivered to you, hot, ready to eat. Do you like pizza? Do Australians eat pizza? Okay, you can get pizza by just making a phone call, going online, have it delivered to you. We're so far from one, but you want to be careful because when you have an abundance, you can become very ungrateful. You can become very satisfied without thanking the, the one who blesses you, all of these things. You get so comfortable, get so used to it. The pilgrims had a right, they were, they had a reason to rejoice and be happy. After what they went through, it was a time to celebrate and praise the Lord for what he had done for them. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me draw some spiritual lessons here. That was just a matter of fact that you heard from uh, a first-hand account or accounts. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18.
you could read the pilgrims in this passage. This is the Apostle Paul writing about his ministry and troubles. For our light affliction, verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. Notice carefully. The things that they saw, the pilgrims, they did see what they saw. They did express what they experienced. They did not deny it. They faced reality. But we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, from Psalm chapter 8, be mindful, be mindful of the blessings of God at the things you, you see. The known blessings of God. Be mindful of that. Look at the blessings of God in your life and be mindful of that. Appreciate it. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge the Lord for giving you some known blessings. Um, the blessings the pilgrims received, they counted their blessings. They named them one by one. And it did not surprise them what the Lord had done. But they had come through a great trial. And before you come to the chorus, count your blessings. The verse says, when upon less billows your tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, that might be just like the pilgrims. They thought they were lost. They thought that the, when there were tempest tossed, it was all over for them. Can you imagine how they must have felt when the ship went like that and like that and like that and like that? For not just once, but many days. Can you imagine what it was like being in between the floors? The floors are low, the ceilings are low, and you have to just grab onto something being tossed about. You probably thought, if you were there as a reporter, I wish they had embedded a reporter there with the pilgrims on the Mayflower. I'd like to know what they would have reported. Well, we do have first an account, and uh, they did not, they did not, they cried for help probably. God probably helped them. He certainly did. They were tossed about. And so, but they counted their blessings when it was time for them to rest and relax and enjoy God's blessings upon them. And so be mindful of the blessings of God that you can see. Be mindful of those blessings. Uh, do not take them for granted. Appreciate them. And you need to be always grateful and thankful. Now, whenever a loved one is not with you, let me reverse that and say, whenever a loved one is always with you, you take them for granted. That is just human nature. Uh, do you not take for granted a car that all starts every morning? And until it doesn't start, then you wish it was like before. You gotta go to the shop, AC goes out, but you take it for granted, push that button, blows cool air, you take it for granted until it's not working, it's not functioning. And so whatever the blessings are that you can tangibly see and feel, you gotta thank God for them. Now, if you can look at yourself and say, I have two eyes I can see, I have a mouth I can open and talk, and I can eat and digest food, and I can do things with my hands, and I can get and walk of my own accord, on my own accord, and no one has to pick me up and carry me, that is a blessing that you should appreciate. Um, if, you can, if you can close your eyes and think and imagine, that's a blessing, that you still have it up here, you can still function up here, that's a blessing. It's very tragic when people have lost the ability to reason and they've gotten to the dementia um, uh, when they get that. And it, it's very sad, really. It's very sad. And so if you can, you can think and you can imagine and you can see and process things, that's a blessing. Thank God for that. If you can pick up 
a pen with your, an Australian pen. Thank you, sir. And write with this. That's a blessing. If you can smile and laugh. See, these are tangible things. The things that we see that you should be thankful for. If you can bend down and tie your shoelaces. If you can bend down and put on your socks. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. If you look in the mirror and do that, that's a blessing. If you open your mouth and see your teeth, that's a blessing. If you can taste, that is a blessing. We have a friend now in heaven named the Smiths up in Indiana when they were living there. Mrs. Smith lost her sense of taste. So whenever she ate food, she, she couldn't taste it. She lost it. Can you imagine not being able to taste your food? That's a blessing. Well, you can count your blessings, and you really should, not just once in a while, but a lot of times. If you can look up and enjoy a beautiful sunrise or sunset, you can climb. If you can climb stairs, that's a blessing. That is a blessing. If you can laugh, if you can get angry, if you have emotions, you have feelings, if you can pray, that's a blessing. And so unseen blessings. Thank God for the blessings that you can see. And also, number two, the unseen blessings. Thank God for the unseen blessings, the things that are non-perceived tangibles. Non-perceived tangibles. Things that are real but you can't see. The first blessing to thank God for the things that you can see. You can touch, you can feel it, and you can, you can, you know, whatever. But then the unseen tangibles, meaning real things, but you just can't see them. The spiritual things. Listen to this verse. In Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamped around about them that fear him and delivered them. That verse speaks about the unseen spiritual messengers, servants, that God has given to, to serve his people and serve him. And the angel of the Lord encamped around about them that fear him. Uh, perhaps a child has a guardian angel. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe not as the Catholic Church describes, but perhaps you do have an angel to protect you. I know one thing for sure. God has guardian angels to protect boys. Because if boys didn't have a guardian angel, they'd be, they wouldn't make sixth grade. They wouldn't make 12. Because they climb, they fall, pump their head, knock their brains out. And they, whenever there's a tree, you think that evolution is true because they want to climb that tree. That's what boys do. Swing from it, look at me, look at me, you know, and then they fall 10 feet. I can do it, Nate. They do, they do boy things. They do boy things because that's what boys do. They play in the dirt, they get dirt and mud in their hands, they taste it, they survive. They don't want, I never washed my hands when I was a boy growing up. I ate sandwiches, just, you know, wipe them on the bread. White bread turned to a brown bed. <laughs> ate that, never got sick, you know. And we used to go out in county, pick up, pick guava from trees, eat that thing. Here's how you cleaned it. Pick it, eat it. Guava, never got sick. Uh, walk barefoot, used to slide on limo or seaweed down concrete uh, waterways in Kaneo by Annoy Street. Ran and slid down, you know, for maybe I don't know how many years, just fine like that. Barefoot. Barefoot. The potential. If I knew the potential was getting cut by concrete at the seams, I would have not done that. But, you know, when you're small, young, you're stupid. <laughs> you don't think about what's under the limo. It's, it's sharp, sharp concrete pieces with a joint, and it's not always so smooth the trials, and it's sharp, it cuts you like a knife. Okay. Um, must have had guardian angels around me, around you. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that you have a guardian angel if you jump up with these flying suits from cliffs. And they fly down, they're moving fast, and at the end they pull a ripcord parachute. I'm not going to guarantee that if you go hang out, you got a guardian angel. 
I'm not going to guarantee if you do some uh, dangerous stunts, you have a guardian angel. I'm kind of kidding about that. I'm just saying God must have had guardian angels for boys especially. Girls, they got mom and dad. Protect them. <laughs> Romans 8.34, listen to this. Who is he that condemneth? I'm talking about non-perceived tangibles, blessings. Who is he that condemneth? Uh, is it Christ that died, yet rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us? The unseen tangible blessing that's real is that you have a, you have the, the Son of God interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. You don't see that, but that's a tangible blessing. That's a tangible blessing. Here's another one, Second Corinthians 5. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, not a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And what's that about? It's about something that is real, but you can't see it. The tabernacle, this earthly house of this tabernacle, that's about his body. His tent, if it folds up, if it disintegrates because of death and so on. If it were dissolved, he says, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, each new body, new body, new body, glorified body. You can't see that. You can't perceive it. It's not tangible, but it's a real, it's a reality. It's a spiritual blessing. Also, what about just going to heaven? That's a, tan a, a, a non-tangible, a non-perceived tangible going to heaven. These are blessings that God gives to us that we should be thankful for. Glorified body, a home in heaven as well. Present unseen realities. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Now, let me just try to wind this up by telling you this, that you may already realize. One of the greatest present unseen realities is that God is mindful of you. God is mindful of you. When I consider the heavens, verse 4, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now, this chapter is about God making man greater than animals and so on, and he has dominion over them. But there's a double meaning to thou art mindful of him. And the Son of Man that thou visitest him. It's also about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming to visit mankind to redeem him. But the fact is, God is mindful of man. He's mindful of you and of me. He thinks about us. His, we are on his mind. We are on his mind. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Mindful. His mind is full of you. That's our thought. God's mind is full of you. God's mind of course you know uh, hard to draw God but uh, God's mind these are thought balloons here God's mind is full of you you and you and you and you the Lord thinks about you right he thinks about, his mind is full of you. Now, before you get high-minded and say, oh, I'm very special, only in the sense that you belong to him, you're one of his children, and that he cares for you, and he'll take care of you, because he thinks about you. His mind is full of you. Now, imagine this. Your mind cannot be full of millions of people, because you're limited in the scope of your mental abilities. You're not God. But God is all-knowing. His mind is full of everything that you're concerned about. That's an awesome thought. That He is mindful of you. Big things, small things. He's mindful of you. And 
that's an awesome blessing that you can have. Mindful of Him. Uh, there's an old song from the 60s written by a man named Bobby Vinton, sung by a man named Bobby Vinton. Now, people are old, they know this song because it was playing on the radio all the time. There was nothing else to listen to except the radio, AM radio. And Bobby Vinton did this song called Mr. Lonely. Here are the lyrics. I won't try to sing it because it won't come out right. Lonely? I'm Mr. Lonely. I have nobody for my own. I am so lonely. When he sings it with such expression, you feel like crying. I'm Mr. Lonely. Wish I had someone to call on the phone. Now I'm a soldier, a lonely soldier, away from home, through the wish of my own, this during the Vietnam time. That's why I'm lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. I wish that I could go back home. Letter? I get no letter. Never a letter in the mail. And then he says, I've been forgotten. Yes, forgotten. Oh, how I wonder who is it I failed. You know what the problem with this song is? It reflects so many people who feel like nobody thinks about them. You know, people who try to commit suicide, one reason is because they think they make no difference to anybody. Nobody thinks about them. They get no letter in the mail, so to speak. Nobody cares for them. But in according to Psalm chapter 8, God is mindful of him. God is mind. That's a blessing to know. Now, on the other side of the spectrum about I'm Mr. Lonely, here's one who is not Mr. Happy, but here's one who has a lot of hope. You know the song. It was sung by well-known uh, Christian family groups. I think the Gethsemane Quartet from Greensboro, North Carolina did this song as part of their uh, set in different places, but also others sang it too. Uh, the song is, Does Jesus Care When My Heart Is Pained Too Deeply for Mirth and Song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. That sounds like the pilgrims crossing the Atlantic. Oh yes, he cares, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary. Sounds like the pilgrims to me. I know my Savior cares. Does Jesus care when I'm tried when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When from my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Why? Because thou art mindful of him. Thou art mindful of him. You know, sometimes you can encourage someone by saying, I'm thinking about you. Sometimes unsaved people, they don't say, we're praying for you. They say, our thoughts are with you. Well, that's to express, I'm thinking about you in your time of trouble, time of grief. Christians say, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you, praying for you. And you're encouraging people by saying to them, my mind is on you. I'm thinking about you. And you would not believe how much that lifts someone's spirit by just them hearing that or seeing that. I'm thinking about you. You're saying to them, I care for you. You're saying to them, I'm praying for you. You're saying to them, you're important to me. So much so that I make time to think about you. And the Bible says that God is mindful of us. That means we must be important to him for him to make time for us. For his mind to be full of you, that means you must be important to him. No matter how small the problem, no matter how big the problem, it must be important for God because He is mindful of you. That's a blessing. 
That's an intangible blessing, but it's a real blessing. So on Thanksgiving Eve, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it may not surprise what the Lord has done, but do, do itemize some of the blessings that God has given to you. And that might just cause you to be a little bit encouraged, even though most circumstances are not so encouraging. Okay? Hope you have a good day tomorrow, Thanksgiving. And uh, Brother Parsley, you're going to be flying on Tuesday? Uh, no, Friday. Friday. Is your wife going with you? So far. Okay. <laughs> Glad to see you on this trip again. And uh, thank you for joining us on Sunday and Wednesday. And would you dismiss us in prayer, please, sir? Our Father, we do bow before thee again with thanksgiving heart. We're so thankful for what Jesus did for us. We're thankful for allowing us to have uh, places like this to come and and this to be a part of a church family that cares. Lord, we ask that you direct and be with us, Lord, as we uh, dismiss from this place. Lord, help us to go out with thanksgiving, but also with a burdened heart for those who, are, who live outside these doors, those who need Christ. Lord, help us to be examples and a witness. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.